Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is musician Lloyd Evans. Hi Lloyd, how's it going? Hello, yeah, it's going good. Thanks, Key. How are you? Not too bad. How's lockdown going? Well, it's not the same for me working. Can you? Know, working a full-time job and being a musician as well. So but it's not the same. So you're a key worker, aren't you? You're classed as a... Uh, technically I'm classed as a key worker, not as a musician, obviously. <laughs> I, am, I am a key worker, I, I work in the food production industry and it's... Yeah, so it's always needed. Is it quite tense at work at the moment? Do you feel like, have you got yeah. adequate PPE and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't think that's being done, but... The company obviously thinks so, and right. um, it's not for me to. Uh, and a lot of that comes from government, I guess. It's not just company. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's very much side by side rules with uh, our company. Swansea site has different rules to say the site in um, some of the sites they have in, say, Switzerland or France. Right. Anything like that. No, it's, it's, it's all different, you know. But it doesn't really matter. I haven't called anything. <laughs> okay. You haven't got anything yet. Yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start. Uh, I ask the same sort of question to everyone first. But as a musician, it's slightly different. So I thought of putting it as how did you first get interested in music? But that's a bit general. But kind of. Yeah. How did you. First, get interested in like musicianship, I guess, and creating your own music. Um, I think it was I think it was putting off my GCSEs that really helped. I think it was the fact that I I, I had the kind of there was a guitar lying around in the house, or there was revision, and I went, "Wow, that one seems all fun. I'm gonna go and play guitar for a bit," and then it kind of developed from there. I um. I got into a cover band when I was 18. Yeah. Just played pubs in Neath, and that was that was good fun. And then it develops from there. You know, you keep playing, you you keep writing your stuff, and all of a sudden, then you're playing on the scene, and it's great. It's uh, you kind of develop as you go along, and just keep writing and keep writing and yeah. keep coming up with better things and, and I guess being in that cover band it made you feel this is what it's like 
to be in front of a crowd, this is what it's like to be in front of an audience and to yeah. get that feeling yeah. of being on stage. Oh, definitely. Well, you say stage. I don't think we have really played on Just 
local musicians, you know, post on there saying looking for local covers band, looking for originals band, mm. stuff like that. It's a good place to go if you're if you're a musical and you want to, you know, find other people to play with. Just get on that website, put up a post saying yeah. guitarist looking for bassists. You know, let them know you're like somebody in a, in a tick. Within a two mile radius. Oh, of course. And and did you kind of click with the other members of the band? Yeah, we um, actually. I don't know how we came about, but one of our first songs we wrote called Don't Tell Mama, we wrote it in the first session with our singer. The first yes. time he came along to a session, we, we wrote that song and it was. Yeah, it really kind of fell into place. It really felt amazing. It's great when that happens. Just think, oh, people yeah. seem yeah. to work well together. And if if you can find those people, I think mm. it, it does really increase the quality of the work in, in like yeah. any field that you'll manage yeah. to produce. Ali, Ali is, he's a great singer. You know, he has lyrics for everything. Every idea I've ever come up with, he says, oh, I think I might have got something for that. So it's quite um, quite a good feeling to work with um, people who can just put out music without thinking about it too hard. Mm. As soon as you think about it too hard, it, it becomes less for me, personally. You think you've got to just let it... The song just has to be natural. And that's what it feels like with the band. It's, it's great. Do you think that there's a, you can overanalyze things, look into things too much, and, you know, question yourself too much? Yeah, yeah, I think there's been a good few times where I've played something on my own, sitting in my bedroom, playing a song, playing a song that I've written and I've done, no, you know what, I've worked way too hard on this, and now it's, it's something I didn't, imagine it to be when I first came up with this idea yeah. and I've got to just take it back a notch but sometimes that doesn't work sometimes the idea goes off somewhere that you really just didn't want it to go and you just end up it just ends up in, in the back of the book ready to be used on it if there's a second album then that will be used <laughs> have you ever had something where the idea you came up with originally has mutated so much, but you've still got a decent song after it. Oh, yeah. definitely, definitely. I think most of my songs, apart from a handful, have <laughs> ended up, have started out as an idea that one of us has gone, I really want it to sound like this, and nobody else has listened to them. So, <laughs> everything that we've been playing is just completely different, and somehow has worked. It's everybody's imaginations and everybody's ideas coming in, and everybody's influences kind of going into a big pot and being stirred mm-hmm. around. And what gets pulled out is, you know, more than the ingredients, more than the sum yeah. of its parts. You know, it's uh, it, it's kind of like something, some kind of chemical reaction happens yeah. there where it just went, yeah, great, this this is your song now. Mm. But sometimes it doesn't work. You know, on, on the other hand, sometimes it doesn't work because sometimes we all chuck an idea in there and we all go, yeah, I think this does sound great. And then when it comes to actually, you know, trying to play the song or arrange the song, it just falls falls apart. 
Mm. That's, uh, the fourth rate that happens is write and rewrite, as, as you well know. It's, uh, Definitely, and it's a process of like first draft, second draft, going back and rewriting yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's, um, sometimes it just doesn't work, and, and I think we both, uh, we both know that. Mm. Sometimes it's not the idea, and it's just not the right idea. So, you yeah. know. In terms of the writing process, how do you go for what's your process of going from an idea to a song? My internal process, if I'm going to write a song and say I'm I'm gonna write an entire song and pitch it to the band. I I'll be say I'll be in work one day or I'll be walking or I'll be just sitting down doing nothing and if I think of any lyrics that sound good to anything that pops into my head, you know, even if it's inspired by a different song and it sounds a little bit like it then I'll, I'll write out those lyrics and I'll come up with the next part and the next part and I'll keep trying to write lyrics until something fits but it doesn't really matter what it is because at the end of the day I'm not a singer I don't mm. really come up with lyrics but then but for you do, does it normally start with lyrics then, then, I'll, then I'll go then and I'll think of the melody for the lyrics, you know, and then I'll try and put chords to it. Yeah. And then eventually I'll build up everything until I have a song, and then I'll record it onto say a laptop or a computer, <laughs> you know. I'll put some drum machine on there. And <laughs> so but yeah, it's just it's just taking it one step at a time. Lyrics, melody, chords, record it, and then show it to the band. See. See if they like it. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's, you never know, and hopefully they will. <laughs> does it always start with lyrics, though? For, for you? me, yes. For me, it does. Um, I know people who start off with the chords, but for me, definitely, it always starts with the lyrics. The lyrics are the most pure part of the song, for me. And if you can get those lyrics without needed to be influenced by the chords In, instead you let you let the lyrics influence the chords instead of the chords influencing the lyrics but it's it, it feels more pure it feels like it's written from the heart because it's and, uh, storytelling basically isn't it you're, well, you're yeah I mean yeah it, it is basically storytelling in any capacity you want to you know say that it's when you write a song, it's a story for somebody out there. Yeah. I guess, I mean, like, and maybe try and write stories for people to listen to one day and go, wow, that's a good, that's a good story. But, but even also, the I, essence of that little bit that people are going to identify with. Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah, definitely. Even yeah. little. You know, there's a, there's a great quote from, um, I think it was Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters who said, um, everybody who turns up to the shows that they do are there and they might be, they're there for the same reason. Even if they might be singing the songs for a different reason, they're all at that place for the same reason. Yeah. You know, so you got to write mm. from the heart to connect with people like that. Are you aware of, you're probably not, do you take into account what your audience is going to be and the expectations of your audience? 
side of that bands tend to develop a sound remember it yeah yeah actually i actually had this conversation the other day so um, are you begin are you beginning to develop a sound or like a voice um i think i think a sound to us is maybe like how we not necessarily the songs we write and how the kind of what genre the songs are, but it's more like the sound of my guitar or my the other guitarist guitar, our drummer is we're all, we're all quite unique and our singer's voice is really unique. Yeah. So the songs we write are kind of um, unique in that sense of you know it's our band by the voice or the drums or the guitar instead of you can be over, overly conscious of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think people maybe do put too much focus on a sound. I don't, I don't know, maybe some people aren't as bothered about it as we are, but uh, <laughs> I, think some people, I think some people really do go uh, in for the sound deal and that's... Uh, maybe it's uh, other people pick up on, you know, do you think like, you know, say, Maybe the bands themselves aren't kind of conscious of it, but other people pick up on the fact one has. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think if if you do become conscious that you have a sound, like for instance, Jake Bug's first album, you know his sound. Yeah. You know, folk rock kind of thing carrying through that first album, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, some people are just totally not conscious that they have a particular sound. Mm. Yeah. They, they just change all of the time, which is which is personally what I like. Uh, mm. I like a band that will just explore and go yeah. off on. It's like when I go off on a tangent in a conversation, I just keep going off on the tangent, and it never actually returns to the original story. It just keeps going and going <laughs> and going. <laughs> you don't really feel where. So, yeah, no, I get, I get that. Yeah. Mm. And in terms yeah. of, you know, the recovery now from this lockdown for yeah. live, live industry generally, but music specifically in this context. Yeah. I, what do you think that recovery is going to be like? And how do you instill a confidence in an audience? 
that they can feel confident to return to venues and see live music. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I think it's going to be an absolutely awfully long haul journey to get back to where music was this time three months ago, four months ago. I think I went to see well can't remember I think it was December when I went to see Liam Gallagher in the Multipoint Arena and I think for music to get to, back to that point where you're comfortable with 9,000, 8,000, 9,000 you know, Liam Gallagher sweaty Liam Gallagher mm-hmm. fans in the same room as each other I, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a really really long process which where venues are going to have to work really closely with bands and music fans like people like me who want to go to gigs anyway all the time yeah the venues are going to have to work closely with people like me and, and all that who will hopefully be able to contact other people and just make sure everybody feels confident enough to return to that thing mm-hmm. i don't think it, i don't think it'll be an easy process at all it's going to be really difficult but I think as music- musicians, we're really resilient and we can do it. And I think we have the means to do it. And I think it'll go, uh, it'll go okay. But say you've got a venue which is 200 capacity, yeah. yeah. Um, by the regulations, I say, okay, but you can only have 50 people in this venue now because of socialist. How is that going to be economically viable for the venues? Well, I don't think it is. It won't be economically viable for for venues, which is why I think we're going to see a massive change in the industry from here on out. Things are going to change really rapidly. I think we'll see, in fact, quite a... um, maybe a resurgence of uh, the kind of homemade gigs where people will go to you know all this underground stuff that's going on Mm. where even with social distancing the venues won't lose money because there won't be venues there'll just be bands who put on a gig you know what I mean Mm. and maybe the venues will suffer for that maybe they will but I think venues are going to suffer for a long time anyway after this. I think, uh, I think it's all well and good doing fundraisers for them, but without gigs there, there's, there's really no... Yeah. I, want to, I don't want to say no chance, because there is a chance, but it's going to be really, really tough for them. Can you see places like Jack Sabadell, for example, going under or folding? because of the lack of income generated by live music? I mean, I don't want to say it, but I think, unfortunately, yes, we will see some venues, at least, going under. I'm not sure whether it's going to be Jack Sabadell, I'm going to use it for an example, but it's, um, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a possibility that venues will and that's a really sad really really sad reality but Mm. I think 
I think in a situation like this, it was inevitable, personally. And it's really horrible, but at the end of the day, if somebody said to me, okay, there are 200 people there, um, you can save all their lives, we've got to close down our venue. Because if you don't close down our venue, we're all going to go in there, we're all going to party together, and I'm all going to get the coronavirus. Yeah. If somebody said, hey, so you can either close that venue, it's safe for every life. I go, well, I'll close the venue. Those are, yeah. There's no question, man. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, what do you think government has a role in this, in terms of, you know, giving more well, financial support to venues? I mean, I... I wholeheartedly if the arts was funded correctly <laughs> then, um, then we wouldn't be having this discussion about venues because we wouldn't be that worried about them but unfortunately venues are all these independent places that all just try and survive on the money they make from putting up bands pretty much every night mm. but I think if the government stepped in and said right we're going to fund these uh, all this art stuff, you know, stuff for theatres, for instance, and mm. uh, music venues and all that. It just, it would put so many people like me, like musicians, so many people like you, writers, at ease. Yeah, and it's not just places like the National Theatre or the O2. No. It's Ponte Dalle Arts Centre and Jack Tower there. Exactly. You know. And then it's the thing of where do new artists go if those small and medium sized venues don't exist? I mean, yeah. I mean, if those small venues don't exist, then music, then new music would cease to be because there'd be no places for people like the Catskills or the Rivers who have recently joined. Brilliant band, go check them out. Um, you know, there'd be no places for for bands like that to, you know, actually just showcase how good they are at their craft. You know, it's like a writer without a desk. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've seen things online where artists are, like, crowdfunding for venues. And I just yeah, don't that's think... that's great. But if a lot of artists are, like, self-employed or... You know, they, it's great they're doing that, but I don't think they should have to be doing that, you know what I mean? No, no, um, creative person should have to ask people on the internet for money to, uh, to get by, you know, no. that's, that's a horrible thing, it's, it's really, really not something that should be happening. Um, so I, I, I just I don't really know it, it I, I don't think anybody should need to crowdfund anything definitely not um, it's uh, it is sad when you see a musician saying listen you know, we, uh, we really need your help here otherwise we're going to 
But um, I'm gonna move on slightly, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. In terms of um, the path breaking into the music industry, um, it doesn't seem to me like there's a definite path that you go through if you want to be successful. So, what are the challenges for a relatively new band, let let's say in South Wales? I mean, in, in South Wales, let's use that as an example because I'm obviously familiar with it. You know, there are some great opportunities for new bands to play in places like Jack's other day. They gave us our first gig, and we will always be eternally grateful for that because you know, they just went, yeah, 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 carry on, you can come up here and you can play. You know, you, you'll have 45 minutes, and then you come off and watch your bands. Yeah, it's, um, you always have venues like that, giving new musicians and new bands their kind of their, their first break. Then, mm. and then you know you, you can move on then from the, those smaller clubs like Jack's Other Day or the, the Hangar 18, the Bunkhouse, all those places, and you can go up to Toby Robach in Cardiff or yeah. anywhere like that. The Globe, you know, you I I. I thought Club Evil Bach was mainly kind of worse language stuff. Uh, it's not not particularly. They have a lot of um, they have a lot of touring bands in there. Right. You'd have like um, you get a, a band touring from say England or Scotland or anywhere really, like Wales too. And when they stopped in Club Evil Bach, they obviously have all the um, the local Cardiff bands or any bands from South Wales to support them, they'll open the night for mm. these touring bands. So you get a, you get great opportunities there, and then all of a sudden you get the headline Club Evil Bach, or you get the headline The Globe, or anything like that, and that's, that's an amazing opportunity. Um, one, one that we are waiting for, so whoever's in charge of booking bands for Club Evil Bach, I hope you're listening. I hope so. You're ready to play. <laughs> but is it a just a case of digging and digging and digging is, and getting your name out there? Every, every band has started in a club, pretty much. You, I mean, you look at Oasis, who did one of their first gigs, I think, in Tootsie in Glasgow, and then got signed from that gig. <laughs> if you look at the Fratellis got signed on, I think, their third gig, you know, and then went on to write Chelsea Dagger, one of the biggest as you can spare to it and 
You will eventually get there. If you want it enough, you'll have it. That's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is unfortunate. Well, not unfortunately. That's fortunately the be or end all of it, where if you do want it enough, you'll get it. Yeah, it's just about putting that effort, that effort in. But would it be helpful to you as musicians to have a clearer pathway? Or is there a kind of... I, I mean, I don't actually think a musician... I mean, yeah, there should obviously be, like... There are projects out there, like the Four Day Project that really put you onto gigs and they hook you up with promoters and they hook you up with recording studios and all that and all the club stuff and they distribute it. And that's a really good pathway if you want to get up to the festivals, the small stages of festivals, all of those kind of people with the full day project and all that kind of stuff. But if you've got, if you want to be playing, you know, in clubs like we are, Mm. Then I don't think, I don't think there will ever be, or I don't even think I'd want there to be a clear path, because the the fact that there's no clear path almost defines a musician more yeah. than anything else. You know, if you're an actor, yeah, there's rather, you know. Royal world, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even then, once you've got your degree from Rado or Royal Welsh. You've got an agent. There's no degree of getting work like. It's like the same with any kind of freelance or self-employed industry. There's there's obviously like uh, clearer pathways in some industries than there are in others. Mm. Musicians, maybe we're no different. Maybe we're just picking ourselves up and saying, oh, we do all the hard work. But, you know, maybe maybe we're just the same as everyone else. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, the the audience will be the judge of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll see in the comments. <laughs> and in terms of seeing that new talent and getting people to see that talent and to, to develop that, do we need more industry people at gigs and kind of yeah. like? absolutely need more industry gigs and more photographers and more people filming the gigs you need more promoters you everything everything needs to be from this point on when all this is over all this virus is gone and the gigs get back to normal there needs to be a higher caliber caliber of people willing to check bands up on their snapchats on their instagram stories yeah. with people who want to give a shout out to the band who's playing the team but they're dancing to you know yeah then you know it's all well and good to go into, along to the gig just to support a friend but if you're not gonna like dance along and not gonna sing their songs then that's quite yeah you're just gonna sit in the back and go yeah all right you know that's yeah, not gonna do anything for you after yeah. Only if you have those people who want to get up and dance and sing and, you know, jump up and down to your team, that, that's when the promoters notice you. That's when the industry guys go, yeah. these guys are good. 
you know, that's part of your plan. It could be absolutely awful. But if there's people jumping up and down to it, sex promoters are taking the list. Uh, as well as that, could you, for example, if you had a recording, send it to Radio Wales or local radio station? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've been played on, um, on Ronda Radio and um, it's it was great from up there. We, we've, um, our uh, friends' bands have been played on the Adam Walton show on BBC Radio 1. I think it was BBC Radio 1. No, BBC Radio 2, maybe. One of those. There's too many BBC radios. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, there's... There's a couple of bands in Cardiff I know who have been played on Radio X. Right. There's quite a few, there's quite a few um, things that you can do, just getting oh, the music out to them. What is the impact that that has on your profile oh, as a band? It's huge. It's, even if it's just a personal impact, even if it's just the confidence it gives you. Yeah. That's, that's fine, that's all you need. It's just that kind of... <laughs> the thing of I I made that or I helped to make that yeah, and exactly. now I, I'm the one who played the guitar on that. Yeah. That's why it's you know, it's just incredible <laughs> to hear stuff like that being played on platforms that appeared on digital radio like all around the world. Yeah. You know, there's somebody in Australia who's never heard of the, the Caroline or you know, people like that and just going Oh, whoa, this is amazing stuff. I'm going to go check out this band from Wales. All of a sudden, some guy in Australia is listening. Tell his mate to go and listen. Yeah. It's just, it just keeps going. It keeps going. And, and that's how you build the following, I guess. And then oh, that is, yeah. it's, more it's, people hear that you and more people listen to you. And yeah. the popularity of a band will probably increase the likelihood of getting higher profile gigs or maybe yeah. opportunity to yeah. recruit to record stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, everything leads to something else. You know, if you if you decide to go down the road of you know putting out your song directly to the radio stations, then the radio stations might play it, and if they do play it, then there could be an opportunity that comes from that, where you get to play in somewhere like Manchester. You know, and that's mm. great. For a musician from South Wales, being able, you know, if somebody was to offer me a, a possibility to play somewhere like that, or somewhere like Liverpool, yeah, or Glasgow, yes, absolutely, I'll travel, you know. And um, in terms of the pressure to generate new material, do you feel like as a band, you're under pressure? to kind of improve or better the songs that you've previously written? Like, is, do you feel, as, as well, is there like a conflict between, like, you know, not dwelling on the stuff you've done previously and just yeah, to continue moving forward all the time? Definitely, I'd, I'd say so. I'm, there's definitely some kind of, conflict between wanting to just you know play because we have a, a very very good set list right I'm, I'm quite happy to admit that I, I'm in love with the songs that we play right now you know, that, the, the one song that stands out for me is something called Running On Empty and I think it's I think it's an incredible song 
And I think the pressure to live up to a song like that, because I think it's so good, is it's quite it's quite hard for me to process because I can, whenever I write something now, I'm like, is it as good as that song? Mm. I don't need to be like that. I shouldn't be like that. But even so, my my thought process always takes me down the road of, you know, is it as good as Running with Empty? Nah. But as a writer, you always can second guess yourself and thinking, is yeah, this yeah. actually any good? Like, oh, it's what I'm writing actually. And most of the time, you know, you overthink stuff. But I guess yeah. in trying to better the last thing you wrote, you're putting too much pressure on yourself, maybe? Exactly, yeah. Like, Oasis's third album was not as good as their second album. <laughs> I, th- I think, like, 90% of Britain would agree with that. <laughs> and we forget about that. We forget about that. We just think of Oasis and think every song they, they wrote yeah, was, was gold. Like, every... They, they be, the, the, the pressure of their first two albums was obviously huge. You know, they, they, they all started... Definitely, maybe, and I had it. It was hit after hit after hit. And then, to move on to what's the story, more glory, it's hit after hit after hit. Yeah. And he got beaten down, which is like dropped it down quite a few, quite a few notches and just, it's kind of a ballady, nice sounding album, more refined. But, obviously, they just had a completely different sound. So they also needed to change it because living up to those first two albums was going to be impossible anyway. Mm. Nobody yeah. could have done it. So, no, just I don't know, it's a, it's a difficult one. I, I, I do think I could write maybe one song in ten that would be as good as Running On Empty, or other song. That's not but a bad ratio. Yeah, I mean, it's not too bad. Maybe one in, maybe one in 15 more. So the rivers, so the yeah. new band that you're in. So how did this kind yeah. of come about? New, new band, new sound. The, I think with these guys, with the Cascades, I'm not too sound orientated as in the sound of the band. With the rivers, there is a, 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 a definite sound of that kind of. Um, modern indie pop, people like uh, Catfish and Bottom New Stroke mm. songs, things like that, massive influence for these guys. And they're, they're brilliant writers and they're brilliant musicians. Oh, they can't wait. <coughs> Unfortunately, I ended up joining them about a week before lockdown started. Oh no. Uh, um, so, can't wait to actually practice with them. You haven't really used to them yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's getting there, it's getting there. So are they a new, new band, or have they been kind of about for a bit? Um, they've been about for quite a bit, to be honest. They've been about for about maybe two years, I think. Right. Have you seen yeah. them? Uh, I haven't. We actually, the, the way I joined them was we played a gig in Poland, in the, in the Ronda, and it was... Uh, we they played first, and then I think it was two bands later we went on. And after I got off stage, their bassist approached me, 
and said, oh man, you're really good, we want you to join the Rivers. Mm. And I kind of said, are you sure you're not talking about the other guitarist? <laughs> and I said, no, no, we, we definitely mean you. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, that's, I went, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely practice with you guys. And that didn't happen because of COVID-19, unfortunately. Oh. But hopefully so, you'll be able to pick it back up when the Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, as soon as this is over now, how do you start practicing again? Practice rooms will just be full of disinfecting bottles and hand sanitizer, that's all. And, <laughs> and if, if people want to support uh, the catacombs or the rivers during lockdown, is there anything that they, they can do for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely go and like and follow the catacombs on... Facebook and Instagram, it's just the Catacombs on Facebook and the Catacombs UK on Instagram. Ooh. And um, with the rivers, uh, go give us a follow on Spotify. Uh, we've got, got an EP out on there, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, it's a good few bangers on there Juncture and uh, Industrial Lights, brilliant. Hello Today, fantastic, fantastic songs. So definitely go check them out, like them on social media. Thanks, Lloyd. It's been brilliant talking to you. Hey, no, no problem talking. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for joining me for this episode of In Lockdown with. Uh, looking forward to speaking to you on the next episode. I'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown with. The podcast is written, produced, and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.